0: I'm an American Ready.
1: Welcome to the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the real Secretary of Defense when it comes to their family, their children, and their communities. And we're the Liberty Mom Show is excited to be part of the Loving Liberty Network. And I'm Chris Kimball today hosting, and I'm excited to have one of our Utah State School Board members with uh with me to discuss a very important topic that is um going on in our public schools, which I'm sure many of you have heard when, when you're listening to the Liberty Loving Liberty Network, you are way engaged in what is happening, but we want to do an in-depth look about what is, what is going on with the critical race theory in Utah. It's, it's happening everywhere, but specifically in Utah. And uh, I've got Jenny Earl with me. Jenny, thank you for joining me this morning.
2: You're welcome. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yes, and uh, we've got some uh, new developments in Utah. Uh, There was a lot of outcry, and the legislature was uh, being called into session by our governor. And our um, Senate and legislative body decided to call an extraordinary session so that they could address an issue that is very concerning to the parents of Utah and our governor at the time decided not to include that critical race theory issue on his agenda and so the legislative body responding to the citizens in Utah went ahead and called what they would consider an extraordinary session which allowed them to add two items to the agenda one of them being critical race theory so Jenny what what was the result of that well, let me
2: give you just a little history on what's taken place. Um, back in January, the state school board in Utah um, began looking at this, um, this idea of providing professional learning um, for educators in the area of diversity inclusion, um, and we were asked to do that by our a committee we have called the Access Committee, which is an equity committee and so we looked at data. We spent um, a number of months looking at um, different pieces of information. And as we got closer to creating a rule, and that's where we landed, was was on this idea that we're going to create a rule. Um, the legislature was convening the week before, or a couple weeks before. And um, specifically, the citizens are—we're we're seeing parents in our communities um, and educators too, who are concerned about um, the content of a number of the lessons, some of the professional development, um, a, a variety of things that we're seeing that are slowly rising to the top that, circ- that encompass critical race theory. And when I say critical race theory, let me let me just tell you a little bit about what I'm talking about. Um, a lot of people think that the 1619 Project is critical race theory. Like it's a, it's a specific curriculum or it's a specific standard. And that is not the case. Critical race theory actually is a methodology or a worldview. It's a way of looking at the world, much like a, religious, um, a religion is. It's a way that you interact with others based on a belief system that you have. And so in this case, critical race theory um, views the world through a lens of, um, of race. It, 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 it believes that there's an implicit bias that goes on. And that people have this um, implicit bias stored within them, and that they their engagements are are always centered around race engagements, and it's centered around um, this this dialogue of a dominant and a non dominant um, group, and one is seeking to oppress the other, and the other is seeking to get out of the oppression. And so this is the worldview. So when you when you read the sixteen nineteen project, it is based on critical race theory methodology or ideology or religiosity however you want to term that it's based on that ideology and so yes it is framed around critical race theory although it is not critical race theory it, it comes from that viewpoint now with that being said um what was happening is that we were seeing so many parents having these lessons taught um based on the premise of critical race theory in a variety of different it could be an edu- it could be an their English class, it could have been in their history class, their science class. It was coming in from all these different areas. Um, They called their legislators and said, please, we need this to stop. This is a race-based politics that's going on. This is a political ideology that's being pushed in on our children and in our communities. And the legislature then... um, they listed off three things and it, it doesn't say we're banning critical race theory, but it says, you know, there's three things you couldn't do. And I'm sorry, I don't have it right in front of me. I apologize. I should have printed that off, but they, they didn't. It, in other words, it was an enforcement or a reinforcement of what already legally cannot be done. And that means pitting races against one another or suggesting that someone is superior or inferior based upon their race, their gender, their religion,
1: um, so that exactly. So the, yeah. the thing is, they didn't even use the term critical race theory in their resolution, and that resolution yeah. is just a is a it's it's not a, a not anything that creates law, or it, it's it's giving an idea or a suggestion, basically that this is what they'd like to see happen, but it's not a. Uh, meaty sort of um, document. It's not a law. Okay. That's, that's
2: exactly right. I was just going to see if I could maybe And so that up.
1: makes it a, do- I mean, it, it was kind of a guideline. Like, this is what we'd like to see happen. And like you said, they were already reinforcing. These issues have already been ad- addressed. Yeah. Well, it- Title
2: Six itself from the Civil Rights Law does not allow anyone that receives federal funding, which is which is all of our public schools and all of our charter schools, receive federal funding for a variety of things. Um, so it already you already cannot discriminate based on these categories, right? But for whatever reason, there's this idea that um, that this idea that um, surrounding critical race theory that it's superior. To the law, or superior to historical um, legal action, and that therefore there needs to be um, changes to that, or or it kind of overrides it. So it's a very it's a very peculiar, interesting dynamic that's playing
1: out. Um, well, and it does create confusion. Okay, because it's so it's almost like when we tried to explain to people Common Core, you couldn't just say. Common Core is this. It was it was so inter- complex and so had so many arms to it and the idea of Common Core itself wasn't evident right from the beginning. It just sounded good. So I was like, yeah, we, we need to have that. This is something that should solve all of our problems when kids are going from one state to another. So I think that's the problem and even Saturday we had our um, we just recently had our state central committee meeting for the Republican party who wanted to run a resolution uh, as a body, as a which is a private organization that has the right to do that, to stand, come forward and say, we stand against this. And even then you could see that those opposing it, one, you know, a couple in particular didn't really understand what they were opposing. They didn't understand the, what critical race theory is. So I'm glad you're explaining it. It's so important.
2: Yeah. Um, and maybe in the next segment, we can talk more about the actual rule, but what took place. And it was key. What took place on Saturday with the Republican party here in Utah, because it is setting a standard. Look, these, we have pretty high expectations for um, Republicans in Utah, and that's what we want to have take place. Um, but the, the rule itself, so after the legislature um, made these strong recommendations, it was, please, this is the way we need you to go. We would like to see you go this direction. They Then, um, then the school board um, took those considerations and built those in as part of our rule. Um, I know that the, the board members that worked on this and the, the full board itself wanted to be really careful to leave the divisive language out, um, of that rule there's many components to it but um, we can address a little bit of that in the next segment and talk about where else we're seeing this play out and how it's affecting people the impact right. that it has on children.
1: Well we are going to be taking a short break here. I'm speaking with Jenny Earl from the Utah State School Board. This is Chris Kimball on the Liberty Mom Show. Stay with us.
2: of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, BP and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to
1: live long, healthy,
2: happy lives.
1: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E
2: There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be.
0: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Energy awesome and amazing day. Hey there, friends. It's John and
2: Chelsea Jubilee. And today we have a message for you women out there. Are you pre-menopausal, post-menopausal, or maybe you're in the middle of menopause right now? Ouch. Listen, we have thousands of clients that have reported reversing all of their symptoms of menopause. Or maybe you have thyroid imbalances. Same thing for those women. Listen, this is your time.
0: Absolutely. You can reverse all of those symptoms and you can be your real joyful, exuberant and lean self again. Ladies, I don't care if six doctors told you you can't lose that fat after menopause or in menopause. You can. We have done it hundreds and hundreds of times, even in a medical setting documented. So make your action call today. Log on to energizehealth.com, energizehealth.com or call 888-444-8895.
2: That's 888-444-8895.
1: Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. I'm speaking with Jenny Earle, who is part of our Utah State School Board. We have been talking about critical race theory here in Utah and most recently about a ruling uh, that the school board made as a uh, reaction to a special session and a resolution that was passed by the Utah legislative body. And on Saturday, where the Republicans just met, the state central committee, which is the governing body of the whole Republican Party, they uh, were wanting to pass a resolution stating that the Republican Party itself in Utah is opposed to this particular critical race theory. And it was interesting because part of the dissension that was brought up during the meeting was the fact that, hey, it's been addressed problem solved. We had a special session, legislature passed a a resolution, and then our state school board responded to that with a new rule. And uh, it turns out that the rule might have some good pieces to it, but there's some problems in that rule that allow for um, critical race theory to still show up. Isn't that right, Jenny? Well, depending on how schools choose to interpret it.
2: Um, there is, let me,
1: I'll just share a
2: couple pieces that should put protections in. Um, one of those is underneath the rule, which the rule is titled um, R, R277-328, Educational Equity in Schools. And um, it, just if, if anybody wanted to look that up, that's what the, that's the rule number and everything. Um, and you can, you can actually provide public comment on this rule still. There is a time period before the rule becomes permanent, so to speak, when public comment can be made. And I I don't actually have the link, but I probably ought to get that to you, Chris, so that if anybody wants to comment on that, um, because just like the federal registry, if you have enough comments in a certain area, then the board has to go back and address those, if that makes sense. Okay,
1: that is good to know. So if you get that to me, I can get it in the link to the show so that people can... Uh, address that because that's important to know it's a 30-day window, right?
2: Yes, and it don't, I don't think it started immediately because they, there there is certain days they publish it and it starts after it's published, it's 30 days after that. And I can get those details. So if anyone is interested in making comment about it, um, you know, this this is the time to do that.
1: Yeah, so. especially after you hear us discuss this and, and what some of the potential loopholes could be.
2: Yeah, so there in the rule itself if I can find I can get the right um, the one section talks about professional learning and it does it does state where's three that an lea an lea is a local education agency or another way of saying a district or a charter school may not include instruction that promotes or endorses that and then it goes on to say that one race or or religion or whatever is is superior or inferior to another so that cannot be Endorsed or supported, or promoted. Um, the other one, there's several of several cannot promote um, type of things built in here. One of those is that their character, um, a person's character, is based on their race, their ethnicity, their sexual orientation, their gender identity, or a member of a protected class. Um, and there's a couple of other little sections to that. But then later in the rule, um, it it does state. Let's see if I've got it right here. It just it says that an LEA may only provide curriculum and classroom instruction in those areas that are you can't promote or endorse if it goes through a process of going before a um, a, a a school board, a local board. It, it has to go through a certain process if you're going to teach those. Now. In reality, some of these elements should be taught in the upper grades in not taught or promoted, but they should be compared to what our structure of government is so that we understand that, 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 you know, what the consequences are. And really CRT is cultural Marxism. It's, it extends from that. If you do the research, that's where it was, it came from. Um, It has its foundations and roots there, but um, there should be a comparison, but this could allow a district as long as they went through a board meeting to open it up to not just those high school grades, but into other areas. So there is some concern there. We're hoping that the hope was that the school board put enough precautions in there that it did protect that. But I think you can read through the language and make that decision yourself. And maybe you've got some suggestions in that area.
1: And then Jenny, I did have a question about when you go back to part three uh, of the, yes equity professional learning that very first item an lea shall provide the professional learning to educators concerning who specifically would provide that learning
2: and that is that is a good question right um That's a
1: red flag, on, like yeah
2: there are some great organizations out there that are actually providing um, some incredible powerful good unifying um, information and there's some incredible organizations out there are, who are providing some very concerning CRT type of trainings um, in the name of equity and inclusion um, and diversity, which which all have kind of this dual meaning to it. We, we used to have maybe a clear understanding that diversity was these differences that people had, um, and, and yet we're seeing that diversity actually means um, more of a race-based um, interactions or or numbers or counting in place of the actual individual um, themselves the diversity that they bring and that unique qualities that they bring
1: um haven't we seen that where words have been hijacked in critical race theory such as diversity
2: yeah exactly and we're seeing it it's 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 maybe what you would call double speak right where you're saying one thing but the, the intent is, is different and, and people may not fully understand what the full new meaning is um, when they agree to something because I think we do want special education is one area that we've always used the term inclusion because we seek to include students in environments that are the least restrictive in order for them to optimize their, their education, right? But right. we're also seeing this idea of inclusion where it it, it means um, new inclusive literature of all gender ideologies or of all, so it be, takes on this political meaning um, instead of what we would consider as a inclusion or a um, the ability for all to engage in a a classroom. In the in the name of that, we're seeing things brought into the classroom without parents' knowledge. And I'll give you an example that's been in the news. Murray School District, um, in a third-grade classroom, and there have been other classrooms where the teacher had chosen to um, provide some transgender literature, read some transgender stories to students without the knowledge of the parents. And that's the key thing there especially is that the parents had no knowledge until after the fact, and if the child, in this case, the child didn't say it, a friend's child, anyways, so – They found out after the fact, and so the parents went in very upset that they had not been given information about this prior to this taking place. And and there's a variety of things taking place there, so I'm not going to go into that detail. But that's the idea uh, that's playing out here in the name of inclusion, where we're we're bringing all political ideologies. It's not necessarily educational excellence. It's all about political um, inclusivity. And so, um, which lends itself to parents need to be, they need to go in, they need to ask, please, can I review the curriculum? What content are you going to be doing? Um, any trainings in diversity and inclusion? What do those look like? Who's providing those? Um, what's the terminology that's being used? It, it just is a time when we ha- you have to go ask. Um, and we have great teachers so don't get me wrong, we've done incredible things, but you need to go find out what's taking place in your in the classrooms. So Jenny,
1: bring up such a great concept now of parenting for Liberty moms and dads is the fact that you have to be proactive with your child and be engaged in what they're being taught. Well, we are headed up to a break, so we're going to be back with Jenny Earle talking critical race theory, so stay with us on the Liberty Mom Show. to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. Thank you for joining us. We are part of the Loving Liberty Network, and Liberty Moms are the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their children, their families, their communities, and secretaries of defense when it comes to education. And that's what we've been talking about today. My guest has been Jenny Earle, but we're going to just take a short minute to promote an event that's coming up On uh, January Not January, oh my gosh we, (laughs) We missed our summer Here in Utah No, it's coming up on June 21st And it's the Arise USA Resurrection Tour This is a three month tour That is started in Georgia And is going to all 50 states Into what we would consider Constitutional Friendly counties But they want to get this message of uh, of liberty and resurrection reclaiming our liberty across America. And so please mark your calendar for June 21st at four o'clock at Liberty Hall up in North Ogden. And uh, there's going to be national speakers that will be attending. Uh, Trent Los I hope I'm saying his name right. Trent Lowe's. He has a fo- podcast he's a sixth generation farmer and he's trying to connect people with the food producers because believe it or not in our country we have uh, we have individuals who have never seen a farm they've lived in a uh, an urban city and have never ventured into farmland and have not been able to make that connection that our our food comes from animals comes from uh, Vegetables that are grown in a garden. And so he's on a, a, a mission to make that educational experience happen. Robert David Steele is part of this group. He's a former CIA spy. Uh, uh, Sheriff Richard Mack, which a lot of us out here out west are familiar with him and his uh, uh, fight for liberty. Uh, Kevin Jenkins is a public speaker and a uh, a champion in Uh, trying to remove the oppression that the black people have experienced with following indoctrination over the decades in inner cities. And so he will be part of the group. Um, Lee Dundas, who is a human rights attorney, most recently uh, famous for her work in California in stopping a vaccine passport. And uh, another one is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who has been very outspoken with, The new vaccine that has just been uh, forced upon many people here in the United States, which is certainly unfortunate. But please mark your calendars and listen uh, on the Liberty Lineup Network because there'll be more details. We will have local speakers at these events, this event as well. So remember, June 21st, four o'clock at the Liberty Hall, and this is the only stop this group will make in Utah. So please plan for that. It'll be very, very informative and very, very worth your while. So, back to uh, critical race theory, we've been talking with Jenny Earle at the Utah State School Board, and she's given us a definition of it and um, tried to explain if you're just joining us that it's not, it's really not just a book that you'll get that has curriculum in it that says, this is how this is taught. It's more of an ideology that will be embedded throughout uh, the whole curriculum. And teachers are actually, what we learned on Saturday. So let me back up just to clarify. Saturday was a uh, a special meeting held by the, the governing body of the Republican party in Utah, the state central committee. And there was a resolution brought forward to address critical race theory, and let the the world know, the people of Utah, that the Republican Party is opposed to this. And so this is independent of what the legislative body does up at the Capitol. And every organization has the ability and responsibility to really speak out against issues that they see that are harmful to our communities and to our children, and so this was very appropriate for them to do that. But there was confusion. There were, it was interesting because the majority of the body, and I when I say the majority, it was like maybe only five or six, possibly more that maybe up to nine. I think nine voted against the resolution when it finished, but nine out of a body of a hundred plus uh people. So it was a very small amount, but there was confusion on what it was. But Uh, The presenter of the resolution brought in some guest speakers, and some of them were teachers. And one in particular teacher, when she was talking, um, was telling them that it's really heavily pushed through the unions. The union, the NEA, the UEA, the the local unions are the ones that are pushing this, and they're offering training to teachers. Were you able to hear that uh, testimony?
2: Yes, I, I was, yeah, and, and I guess the one training was held last summer, and it was exclusionary to anyone that didn't meet a certain race standard, so yes. if you're of a certain race, don't, eat, don't come, we only want certain people to attend to get the training, um, wow, is that,
1: <laughs> I just can't, <laughs> is that ironic, like, everyone can come except if you're this color, yeah, you're excluded, okay, it, and yeah, that's a, I yeah, that was if the, all that's the first Guess what color was?
2: Sorry, that was the first time. I mean, I heard that.
1: So, yeah, I wonder what we can all guess that, that color was. You know, if you were happened to be the white dominant, uh, let's say,
2: dominant, oppressive uh,
1: group. <laughs>
2: that's not the allowed. term that critical race theory is using instead and of you just know yeah. this
1: is carrying over. The, this idea is carrying over into our public life. We have an example right here in Utah where our professional basketball team, the Utah Jazz, has in the past given scholarships to uh, uh, children of uh, not of color. It wasn't necessarily children of color per se. It was for underprivileged children
2: of need, children children in need. need.
1: Yeah, it didn't matter. And we have um, a new owner this year who is woke. And we have a new governor who is woke. And the owner came out and decided that they could not be white. A white needy child, a white child who is poor and impoverished, is not entitled to have a scholarship from the Utah Jazz. It can only be a child of color. Okay, so that's racism. That's so what- there,
2: yeah. And there's a difference between private entities choosing to do that, right? And public entities choosing to do that because we have very clear laws that do not allow that to take place. Even under our educator, um, uh, oh goodness, I'm trying ethics. It says that you cannot create an environment that discriminates against one child against another, that type of a thing. So we have provisions in place that protect teachers. They protect families and they protect children of all races, all ethnicities, all, you know, et cetera. Um, so we have those in place. What's happening though is those are not, and I'm not sure why, they're not being enforced. And I think there is this compelled element to it and this concern over um, whether or not um, I've, I don't know, it's, it's that woke type of ideology that kind of plays out or, and I would say even a little bit of a fear that if I say something, you know, not necessarily that I'm going to get canceled, but they, they, they could if someone says something. But something along that lines, that concern, that there's going to be a, – there's a problem with them in speaking out against this.
1: Um, right. There's kind of a fear that they – you get attacked. I mean, if you're not towing that line, you can be attacked. And what was surprising when you talk about private – you know, Utah Jazz is a private organization – that our governor, who is a public figure, yeah. stepped in and endorsed what the Jazz were doing. He supported their racism against white children who are in need. So if there's a, a white child in Utah who could use this education um, uh, uh, yeah,
2: the benefit of a scholarship. For a scholarship,
1: education, they're excluded. They're not going yeah. to be cons- they are not going to be considered. And that's coming from the head of our state, a public figure, supporting and endorsing something that is illegal in the public specter, you know, under Title VI and fr- federal laws. So it was just fascinating that it, when they're trying to enforce CRT, they actually become racist by doing so. And so, um, you know, it's. I,
2: I think we'd need to just educate people because I really feel like a lot of good people are trying to do their best for uh, to help others, but they maybe are not understanding the consequences or long-term consequences of what's happening. Some do. So I, I'm I not.
1: Think, that. I think we should educate. You're right. So we'll bring that up. We're going to take a, a short break. We'll be back with more with Jenny Earle here on the Liberty Mom Show.
0: this is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, Medishare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of Medishare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now seeing the cost of cobra plans for instance and Medishare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month. You might save even more. Medishare is a Christian community that shares each other's healthcare costs and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by March 31st. You can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code share to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. Here it is. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. What can help you take advantage of today's low mortgage rates
2: and save money?
0: Rocket Can.
2: You could save hundreds of dollars every month by refinancing with Rocket Mortgage at today's near historic low rates. If your current rate is over four percent, you could lower your payment by over $150 a month, saving thousands in interest every year. Call us today at 8338 Rocket or go to Rocketmortgage.com. Savings are based on quick and loans, internal data, points and fees may apply. Call for cost information and conditions, equal housing letter, in all 56 and number
1: Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. We're in our final segment. Thank you for sticking with us. And we've been having a fascinating discussion about education in Utah with Jenny Earl from the Utah State School Board, which encompasses the northern part of our state. And uh, Jenny, what what are some of the, uh, we've talked about the confusion and how this is getting applied in the private sector, as well as in our schools. What do you think some of this confusion is coming from?
2: Well, there's a couple of things. I think that um, those promoting this ideology or theology, you could even call it, um, are saying that the only way we can address address race historically is through this lens. And that otherwise, anything other than that, we're going to be having um, misinformation um, there is a lot of truth in that we've missed parts of history are, are not included. Right. And, and there, there is a need to give a full account of history, but there's a difference between giving a full account of history and doing what the 1619 project did. And that's where they took pieces of history and then pulled it into modern day settings and said, therefore, right. So they took right. it out of context and didn't give the full history. Or they um, misrepresented information and then expected people to understand all the nuances around it. And to do that is deceptive and dishonest. And so we do need a full account of history. We need an accurate history. We need a full history. And it needs to be sequential. You can't go jumping around and picking and choosing. I'll give you one example. I was at a training not too long ago where they talked about the 18th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote and said it was only given to white women that that's what the 18th amendment said well you can go read the 18th amendment and see what it said now were there areas that restricted because of local laws yes there were and that's the part we need to understand the difference between constitutional uh changes that took place and how they benefited citizens and that the what how we got there and then localized um, entities that chose to continue a more oppressive behavior and those that did not we're only getting one side of the story a, more of a cynical approach to history which leaves kids and families divided they begin to question um question the roots of our, our nation so that's one thing the other thing i'm seeing going on is there's this talk about implicit bias implicit bias this idea that we have this you know <laughs> i don't know this uh um, unknown force that is all over us, you know, certain people and it's affecting every aspect of our lives. And we have no control over that, which is, which is just crazy. Yes. We have historical, um, even in our families, we have situations, but we still have a choice in how we engage and interact with others. And if there is such a thing as implicit bias, then there is also such a thing as implicit generosity, implicit charity, implicit I mean all the it's not like our our world pulls out just the negative and our body can only absorb that and it won't absorb the good it's got both and we in essence get to choose so it is empowering us to be uh, proactive in our lives um, before we get before we get too close to the end here I just want to we should be talking about some solutions that people need to be aware of um, there's a couple of places I would direct people new discourses provides a lot of um great information on critical race theory. It it breaks down a lot of the terms um, using critical theorist words. So you're getting it right from the the horse's mouth, so to speak. Um, Also, Chris Ruffo, um, he's done a lot of writing about this. Um, Heritage Foundation has a number of great articles and and information that tries to break it down in a way that people can understand this. Um, The other thing, and this is something I'm really big about, When you have an impression about something with your children, in your life, in your work, you need to act on that. And I think we're at a time when you need to not wait on things. Go ask about it. Find out the information, Um, especially your local board members. You should be building relationships with them so that you can understand where they're coming from and how best um, help them help the children in your schools. So those are are two key things.
1: Um, let's see. That's important, and at, we, we're so so busy. We've got so much on our plate, but building relationships with our elected officials is important. And I would just suggest to our listeners: I don't care what's where you live, but put your representatives in your phone, have their phone number, their email, so you can reach out to them quickly and not have to get online and look up their information. That takes time, and we don't have that kind of time. When things pop up, we need to be able to reach out to them very quickly. Or if you get information sent to you from uh, whether email or whatever that is educational about this or pertinent to particular issues, forward that on to your representatives so that you can educate them and and discuss it and and help them clear the waters on certain issues or make them aware of problems related to children in utah or our communities we have to be the ones to regulate our liberty we can't
2: Chris. oh go ahead oh we can't just turn that over
1: and one of the key things
2: i'm seeing is you have to be able to carry on civil respectful dialogue with them because i'm seeing people upset about this and they're going and just blowing up and what's happening is there's not a trust element there they feel like they're being attacked and our representatives really are doing the best they can. Um, especially your local boards, they are trying to do the best they can. Provide them with information, help help educate them, and you're going to find that that relationship is going to extend to where they trust you trust each other, and you can rely on each other to help um, build commu- build your community so that it's unifying and not not um, not not divided. And this, this, and this movement is very divisive. You can already feel it. It's not those that say it's not there. There's nothing to see. I think, wow, are you? Where are you living? Because you can feel it when you go into places. You can you can see it. It's coming from parents. We're seeing if you go to Utah Parents United. I'm going to put a plug in for them because they have over 100 pages of testimony from parents in every district around the state. They're trying to put it on their website in such a way that protects privacy, but also gets out the information so parents can see the kind of things that are coming up. So it is there. We're seeing it nationally. So I think interesting to see the naivety of of people to say, nothing to see here, nothing's going on. It just is fascinating to me.
1: One other resource I wanted to mention, there was a podcast uh, that Glenn Beck gave, I don't know, a week or so ago, and his guest was Body V-O-D-D-I-E-T Bachman, Jr., who is a pastor. He has been very outspoken against critical race theory for going on decades now. And it might not have been called critical race theory back then, but he was certainly very aware of it uh, back even when President Obama was, uh, uh, his administration was making policy changes in our state. Our, our country, including our state, and seeped down into Utah. But, but uh, a lot of what Obama was doing back then was actually implementing the, uh, the ideology. He certainly did it at the federal level. And uh, because our schools have been kind of sucked up into the federal uh, uh, level of uh, control through Common Core, that ideology has had a place to permeate in higher academia, and now it's showing up in... K through 12. So his book is called Fault Lines: The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe because he relates it to what you said Jenny it's a religion it is how you see it's your belief system and how you see the world through your lens and it's distorted and it totally eliminates the need for Jesus Christ every A redeemer, because we're not responsible for what has happened in the past. We're responsible for our actions in the present.
2: That's exactly right. And I I want to add one more thing to this, that any program in the schools that seeks to change the beliefs, dispositions, or values of a child, you should be very leery of, right? And we're seeing this Mm -hmm. um, through a variety of programs, sometimes the social-emotional programs seek to do that very thing. So I would be very careful when something chooses or is trying to put a child's emotions and feelings above logical or analytical thinking. Um, it, it's an easy way to get in and, and create an emotional environment. Um, so, and, and, to change their, seek to change their beliefs, which, which they shouldn't be doing. We should be about excellence in education. And that's where we should be focusing our attention.
1: So Jenny, we've got a short little fragment here. Tell them real quickly how they can make comments on the national education um, money—the money that's coming into Utah, where they can. Oh, we you need.
2: Okay, you need to talk to your. Go to your will, local
1: boards. We will. We will put that in the notes. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Um, thank you for joining us, Jenny. A fascinating discussion, Jenny Earl, Utah State School Board. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Mom Show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Okay.